Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for your prayers on my behalf this past week. I trust you've enjoyed these uh, sermons in the book of Exodus. I, I know I really have. They've really been very meaningful to me over these past few weeks. Today we find ourselves in chapter 9. And as Tom read, this is a continuation of the plagues. As we now come to numbers 5, 6, and 7 of the total of 10 plagues. It's been interesting to me as I have gone through the first four plagues, listening and then studying the ones today, there's a similar pattern that is followed. Not in every case, but in most we find certain elements that are repeated for each plague. First, God gives a warning to Pharaoh, let my people go or the plague will come upon your people. Second, God sends the plague, but protects his own people. Thirdly, Pharaoh pleads for mercy, and the plague ceases. And lastly, Pharaoh hardens his heart, even though the plague ends. I want to read two verses to you as we begin to set the stage for today's message. First, Proverbs 29, 1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. And then secondly, 1 Samuel 15, 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness, stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. There's a word in this last verse that I want you all to consider. And that word is stubbornness. Let me ask you a question. Do you consider yourself a stubborn person? Or maybe I should ask, has anybody ever said to you, you are so stubborn? And what's your first thought? Me? Now I'm sure all of you have heard the cliche, stubborn is a mule, which may be somewhat of a misconception because probably not all mules are stubborn, but if you interview, and I actually went and looked, if you interview some mule owners, this is what they say. Mules can have a reputation for being stubborn. If a mule feels a particular task will be detrimental to his well-being, he'll simply refuse to do it. In some cases, he may even fight back. And you know that's exactly how the dictionary defines stubbornness. The quality of being determined to do what you want and refusing to do anything else. It goes on to say unreasonably or perversely unyielding. So back to my original question. Do you consider yourself a stubborn person? Always wanting your own way, unyielding to anybody else. Four quick questions just to get you thinking internally and examine your own heart. Do you have stubbornness? Are you one who is afraid of change? Stubborn people, whether they realize it or not, perceive new situations as threats that should be avoided at all costs. For instance, someone tries to impose a change on you at home, at work, at church, are they viewed as an oppressor? Ever heard the phrase, it's hard, hard to change once you get old, or you're set in your ways, or 
he or she's old school, or if it ain't broke, why fix it? I will tell you, my boss is a visionary. He loves change. I'm pretty much old school. Change is hard. The question I have to constantly ask myself at work is, am I being realistic in resisting a change, or am I simply being stubborn? Secondly, are you one who likes to argue? Stubborn people have trouble admitting they're wrong. They'd rather argue than suffer a blow to their position, or more truthfully, their ego. So rather than yield a conclusion to agree, not to agree, or agree to disagree, is better than admitting defeat. Thirdly, are you one who resorts to personal attacks against others? Usually stubborn people lash out to those who challenge their ideology. They normally can't support their position with facts and figures, so they resort to personal attacks. And politicians are notorious for this, especially in a debate. They don't want to talk about the issues. Let's just cast doubt on the opponent's character. And fourthly, are you one who avoids information that contradicts your position? You know, the internet is wonderful for fact-finding, but you can always find support for you. Always. As I prepare for today's message, stubbornness was the key theme that kept coming and jumping out at me. Those prevailing patterns of Pharaoh's hard heart and stubbornness in the midst of plagues. That's my prayer for all of us, including myself this morning, that we would really examine our own lives. Are we stubborn? Especially we just consider our lives before God. So I titled this message, Pharaoh's Patterns of Stubbornness. So let's, let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that it holds, especially the practicality of it. And I pray today that as we go through these many verses, that we would understand the truth and that the truth would really convict us, especially when it comes to stubbornness. I just pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I broke this up into three sections. The first, verses 1 through 7. So follow along as I read. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, for they may serve me, that they may serve me. If, for if thou refuse to let them go, and wilt hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous moraine. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt. And there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel. And the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow. And all the cattle of Egypt died, but of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. I called this first pattern of stubbornness, Pharaoh's refusal to listen. Practically and sensibly speaking, wouldn't you think that by the time the fourth plague rolled around, Pharaoh would have been ready to let the people go? Not so. Not so at all. As we begin this initial section, we will see that is not the case. In verses 1 through 3, the Lord Moses 
The Lord tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell him, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse and continue to hold them, then the hand of the Lord will be upon thy cattle in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the oxen, and the sheep, for they shall all die due to a grievous bereen or a severe pestilence that will fall upon them. The warning issued is completely clear. Not only were these animals to be destroyed, involved in both transportation, agriculture, and various aspects, they were also involved in pagan worship because as Canada has addressed in previous weeks, Egypt's religion included such gods who were animals. Animals such as bulls, whose names were Apis and Menevis. So God is not only killing the livestock, but also leveling his judgment against this awful, frightful institution of idolatry. Now look at verse 4. For the Lord also sets forth a distinction as the livestock belonging to the children of Israel will not die, where all the livestock belonging to, belonging to the Egyptians will. Note also from verse 5 that a specific time frame is set forth by the Lord. Pharaoh will have one day, 24 hours, to heed God's command. Having encountered four previous plagues, would Pharaoh now listen to the warning from Moses and realize that the Lord would fulfill his promise? No, stubbornness prevailed again. And so we're told in verse 6 that the Lord did that thing on the morrow. And all the cattle of Egypt died. But of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. It must have been quite a sight as you picture it. All the dead animals, large, large animals. And the horrendous stench that must have permeated the land. Yet, here is just the unbelievable aspect of a hard heart and the root of stubbornness. For verse 7 concludes, And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. The, the word the Bible uses here for harden can be translated stiffen. Pharaoh refused to listen, for his heart was stiff and unpliable. So let me ask you, could it be that your heart is hardened and stubborn and refusing to listen to God and even to others? It's been said, and I quote, the same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. The quote reminded me of this little Play-Doh. Soft, pliable, representing a receptive heart versus this little dish that one of my grandkids made me. Clay, hard as a brick. Representing a hard, stiff, and unpliable heart. Unwilling to change. I thought of another illustration to demonstrate the condition of a heart. Sunday morning, worship service. We're all here. And right now, you're listening to me pretty intently. But sometimes, that's not the case when you look out there. You're in your seats, listening. God is speaking. But how we respond depends on the condition of our hearts. Upon hearing the Lord's voice, some people are motivated to pursue a deeper and more obedient relationship with the Lord. 
Others, however, resist or refuse him because their heart has become stiffened and non-responsive. It could even be said that the same message that impacts one person can actually cause another person to have a hardened heart. How can that be? Because the very pattern of stubbornness is that while the truth is being spoken and should soften a person's heart, it is instead being rejected and in pride the heart becomes even harder. Certainly that could be said of non-believers for as the gospel is presented that hard heart can even become harder. But what about Christians? Can their hearts become hardened and stubborn? They can. Sadly, they can. And we see that actually in the scriptures for Christ's own disciples allowed their hearts to harden at times when they wholeheartedly failed to recognize who Christ was. Mark 6, 49-52, when Christ was walking on the water, it says, but when they, the disciples saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Question. So how is your heart today? Are you listening to the Lord speaking in your life? Is your heart open, pliable, or, or is it hard and stiff and stubborn, as we see here in the account of Pharaoh? It's been said that apathy leads to disinterest, and disinterest leads to hardness. I pray that that will never happen here, that you will not grow apathetic such that your relationship with the Lord grows hard. One other thing, this is a complete aside, but God just really prompted me on this in regards to stubbornness. And that was about listening and listening to the counsel of your wives. Let me ask all of you men who are married, has your wife ever counseled you on something and you refuse to listen? I can attest personally that's happened in my life many times. And more often than not, when I'm stubborn and fail to listen and then blow it big time, when my sweet wife can come up and say, I told you so, I'm so thankful she doesn't. She continues to love me, keeps quiet despite my failures. Well, we definitely know that God wants the, the husband to be the spiritual leader in the home. Your wife's input, your wife's counsel is so important in your decision-making, men. As one author said, and I quote, husbands need to recognize and appreciate their wife's perspective and be open to their ideas, desires, and even criticism. Just listening and honoring her thoughts paves the way for a more productive and loving conversation. It also conveys that you respect her, that her opinions are valued, and that what your wife wants is really important to you. And she, in turn, will feel like you value her and that her ideas are worth consideration. And let me assure you, men, they are definitely worth your consideration. 
I will tell you that often as elders when we meet um, and there's a decision that we can't agree or decide on, the consensus is let's take a week, let's pray about it, and let's seek the counsel from our wives. In other words, let's listen to what they have to say. And I urge you husbands to sweep aside your stubbornness, sweep aside your pride, and commune your, with your wife in a manner that honors the Lord. Proverbs 12:15 says it well. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Second section, 8 through 12. And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven, and it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. The second pattern of stubbornness, Pharaoh's refusal to obey. As we begin here in verse 8, the first thing I want you to notice is that there is no warning for this plague. Moses and Aaron simply went to get ashes from the furnace, which is probably the kiln where they make bricks, and are directed to sprinkle or throw the ashes into the air toward heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. Verse 9 goes on to tell us that when they do that, the dust of the ashes will permeate the land such that boils will break forth as sores on all the Egyptians and their animals. So then in verse 10, we learn that Moses stood before Pharaoh and was obedient to the Lord's command of sprinkling the ashes towards heaven, and immediately the boils began to break out on the people and animals. It's an assumption here, but you can think they're right before Pharaoh. Wouldn't it make sense that Pharaoh himself would have been the very first person to get these sores on his body? Then verse 11 states that Pharaoh's magicians themselves could not counter this plague, and even they too were afflicted and could not stand before Moses. Yet here again, the children of Israel were not harmed, but only the Egyptians. For the first time, God is touching man as well as beast with judgment, and such an affliction like this would be so, so difficult. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever had a boil. Probably some of you have. They're very, very painful. According to the Mayo Clinic, a boil is a painful, pus-filled bump that forms under your skin when bacteria infect and inflame one or more of your hair follicles. A group of boils is called a carbuncle, and besides being excruciating, these can cause serious complications left untreated. Now, for all of us sitting here in our comfortable seats, it's hard to imagine the pain and agony these Egyptians must have been going through. In Deuteronomy 28:35, such boils are mentioned as a consequence of disobeying uh, the Lord. And here's what it says, The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with the sore bots or boils that cannot be healed. That can't be healed. From the sole of thy foot 
unto the top of thy head. I don't know if you remember verse 11. We just said it said the magicians could not stand before Moses for the boils on their feet were such that they could not even stand. It doesn't say that, but you can assume that's why they couldn't stand before Pharaoh. They couldn't even walk. So all that being said, what was Pharaoh's response? Pay special attention here because look at that first sentence. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. What does it mean the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh? It means that in God's sovereignty he can remove the restraints and certainly give a person over to his debased mind and hardened heart as he did with Pharaoh that day. And sadly, if you think about our country, our world, that could very well be what is happening today as society continues to spiral down and down and down. It reminds me of Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So with stubbornness in his heart, Pharaoh continued to resist the Lord and each act of disobedience only hardens his heart more. As I said at the beginning of this message, Proverbs 29.1 says it all. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall surely be destroyed and that without remedy. As I considered this section and Pharaoh's refusal to obey and his pattern of stubbornness, the, the Lord impressed me to speak to you children. So I want you to listen up. As we've been going through the Ted Tripp videos, I've really appreciated his thoughts surrounding the scripture from Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. It seems so simple. And yet, sometimes this scripture can be so difficult. I would imagine most all of you, being raised in Christian homes, have this verse memorized by heart. For me personally, growing up, I didn't have this verse personally memorized. I didn't know that this is what God wanted. Yet I did know that my parents loved me. And I did know that I was supposed to obey my parents. Yet at times I will selfishly, I would selfishly and stubbornly reject their authority and counsel. Why? Because I thought I knew better. I knew what was best for me. In my pride, in my self-confidence, in my selfish desires, surely I could make a decision better than my parents. Was I wrong in these thoughts? Absolutely. What I failed to see in my rebellion was how much my parents really did love me. And they would have never, ever made a decision for me that wasn't for my best. Yet my eyes are blinded to that, to that important truth. And here, what we find here in Ephesians, that children are to obey their parents and the Lord. It wasn't until I became a Christian that I really realized what wonderful parents God had given me.
Children, obeying one's parents is a direct command from God and a commandment that not, should not be taken lightly. So many families throughout my lifetime, especially in these latter years, have agonized because of the heartache their children have given them as they've rebelled against their parents. My desire here this morning is that you would realize, children, realize your parents love you very, very much. And they would never make a decision that wasn't for your best. Never. When my mom died, it was one of the hardest days of my life. And then my dad died two years later. And it, it was just so hard because I love him so much. Your parents may not be around long either. You don't know. Children love them, cherish them, obey them, honor them. For as Ephesians 6.3 continues, there's a blessing God gives you in doing that. And that is that it may be well with thee. Last section. It's a long one, so I'm going to read it through quickly. Starting in verse 13 through 35. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For I will serve at, the, at this time, for I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now I will stretch out my hand that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. As yet exaltest thou thyself against thy people, that thou wilt not let them go? Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a grievous hail, such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof, even until now. Send therefore now, and gather thy cattle, and all that hast thou hast in the field, for upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field, and shall not be, and not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them, and they shall die. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants, and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thy hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, upon the man and upon beast, and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord set thunder and hail and fire ran upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. And Pharaoh sinned and called for Moses and Aaron and sent for unto him, sent unto them, I have sinned. This time the Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. Entreat the Lord, for it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail, and I will let you go, and ye shall stay no longer. 
And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. But as for thee and thy servants, I know that ye will not yet fear the Lord God. And the flax and the barley was smitten, for the barley was in ear, and the flax of bold. But the wheat and the rye was not smitten, for they were not grown up. And Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, and spread abroad his hands unto the Lord. And the thunders and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured upon the land, the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more, and hardened his heart, he and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. I called this last pattern of stubbornness Pharaoh's refusal to repent. Have any of you ever been in a bad hailstorm? A really bad one? I remember about 20 years ago, we had just sold our house on the west side of Wichita, and hail came five days later and just destroyed our home. Um, the roof, the siding, the windows, the trees. We felt so sorry for the people. We went over there and tried to help them. Um, and I bought our house. It just devastated. And yet, even at that time, um, this is nothing, nothing like this hailstorm we see here. As I said at the beginning of the message, as it goes through this last set of verses, I think the patterns of Pharaoh's stubbornness will again become very clear. First, verses 13 through 21, God gives a warning. This is the longest warning we've seen, perhaps because it introduces the most destructive plague sent so far. For in verses 13 to 14, God was about to release the full force of his plagues on Pharaoh, the people, and the land. Moses goes on in verses 15 through 17 to remind Pharaoh first of God's mercy that he extended. For he could have by now struck down the people with such pestilence that the entire Egyptian nation would be completely wiped out. Then secondly, to remind Pharaoh of God's great sovereignty. For apart from his will, Pharaoh would not even be the ruler of Egypt. In each encounter where Pharaoh resisted the God, the Lord was using that situation to reveal his mighty power and to glorify his name. So God, through Moses, delivers the warning in verses 18 and 19 that the next day he would send a grievous hailstorm, none like ever before. Therefore, take cover yourselves and gather all the cattle into a safe place for protection. And I think you see here in verse 20, some of the Pharaoh's servants feared the Lord and took cover, while in verse 21, some rejected the warning and chose to remain uncovered in the field. The next pattern, verses 22 through 26, God sends the plague. The very next day, as God had promised, Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and God set thunder and hail and rain and lightning all across the land like no other that any person or animal had ever seen. And Many were killed, especially those not under cover. And all the plants and trees were destroyed as well. But here again, verse 26, only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. God continued to protect his people. Then verses 27 through 33, Pharaoh pleads for mercy. 
Seeing the devastation, Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron, something he had done on previous occasions. However, this time in verses 27 and 28, he says, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. Entreat the Lord, for it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail, and I will let you go, and ye shall stay no longer. Was Pharaoh's confession sincere? Not hardly, not at all. For if you go just one verse down, verse 30, it says, Moses said himself, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. So Moses knew, yet Moses went ahead, followed God, goes outside the city and spreads across and brought his hands and the thunder and the hail cease. That brings me to the last pattern of stubbornness. Pharaoh hardens his heart and sinned even more than before. He and even now his servants, even his servants now, would not let the children of Israel go. Sadly, at this point, it is very evident that Pharaoh's words of confession, I have sinned, I have sinned this time, were simply words of false repentance, a stubbornness and refusal to truly repent. For while he confessed these religious words to Pharaoh, he did not truly confess his sin before God. There's certainly a difference between fleshly remorse and genuine repentance, as pointed out in 2 Corinthians 7.10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. As we close today, I want to leave you with two points of application. Particularly as we think about these patterns of stubbornness and the refusal to listen, the refusal to obey, and the refusal to repent. First, if you are a believer, you're sitting here and you know Christ is your personal Savior. Does this describe a stubbornness within you? Is there an insensitivity to what God says? Is there a resistance to his authority? Is there a disobedience to what the Lord's instructing you to do? Is there a justification? A justification of sinful conduct and unwillingness to truly repent? And lastly, is there a rejection of reproof by others? Someone says to you, you are so stubborn. What's your response? No, I'm not. Or is it, I really need to examine myself. And secondly, if you are a non-believer, the question for you is stubbornness keeping you from following Christ as your Lord and Savior. This chapter here in Exodus has God's grace and mercy written all throughout it. For God is warning all of you, just like he warned Pharaoh, the final plague of eternal judgment is coming. Those who are stubborn and do not believe and place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will not escape the condemnation of hell and the consequences of eternal separation from God. Your only hope of everlasting life in heaven versus an eternal life in hell is only found in Christ. Will you cast aside your pride and believe 
or in stubbornness will you follow Pharaoh's patterns of destruction and refuse to listen, refuse to obey, refuse to repent. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this account here in Exodus. Thank you for what you've taught me about my own stubbornness. Lord, I pray that these words not fall on deaf ears, that there would be a refusal to listen. I pray, Father, that we would examine our own hearts regarding our reluctance, our refusal to obey your word, even justification of the sin and not repenting of it. Pray, Father, that we would never have a half-hearted repentance, that our repentance would be genuine and sincere and, Lord, to be um, with a humble heart. So I pray, Lord, you just help us in regards to this. Thank you again for your word and the truth that it holds. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.